That is our purpose, to make disciple makers for the glory of God among the nations. And some of you know that we have church members, Calvary members, who are doing that in Reynosa, the uh, city right south of the border, and are planting new churches there. Doris Resendez is a member of our Spanish ministry, and uh, some time ago during the pandemic, she began to go to the red light district and she took breakfast to people on Saturday mornings and began to just care for them and love them unconditionally. And then uh, they began to ask for uh, a gathering of worship. And so she found this abandoned hotel in the red light district and, and they began to meet on Sunday mornings in the courtyard uh, to sing and to hear God's word. And then when the weather got uh, a little bit challenging, then she was able to get funds and uh, the initiative and permission to get two of the hotel rooms and knock down a wall between the rooms to make this meeting place that was indoor instead of outdoor. And so uh, every Sunday they meet there and she sends me pictures just so that I'll remember that they're there and we'll remember to pray for them. And, and here's a recent picture of that group that meets there every Sunday from all walks of life to sing and to hear God's word, to hear the gospel. Osvaldo and Yareli are also members of our church who we've partnered with in order to plant house churches in Reynosa. One of the things that they've been able to do is to minister in a tent city in a town square uh, where migrants from Central America and other parts of the world are, are waiting for to be processed uh, for asylum uh, seeking process. And as they wait there for days and weeks at a time, they live in tents. And uh, Osvaldo and others from our church have been able to go in there and share the gospel. People have come to Christ. They've been baptized right there and then. And, and they gather weekly. So there is a church there uh, on the square, on the plaza uh, in that tent city that meets uh, more than once a week and that is making disciples. But Osvaldo and Yareli also are looking for homes where they can plant churches. And so about a year ago, they found a home of a couple by the name of Carlos and Yamilet. And they started uh, looking, going through stories of hope. And in April of last year, Yamileth prayed to trust Jesus as her Savior and Lord. And so they, they were excited with her and they told her, your next step is believer's baptism. And, and she had some doubts about it. And, and she said, well, I'm going to talk to my family and, I, and, and I'll decide, let you know when I'm ready. The months passed and so then a couple of weeks ago, as they gathered in her home, they opened the scriptures and they looked at the story of uh, of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch who asked to be baptized. And uh, Yamilet said, I want to be baptized. And, you know, they don't have a church building. They meet at her home. So they said, well, do you have a bathtub? And they said, yes. So they walk Yamilet to the bathtub and Osvaldo is there uh, ready to baptize her. And she was baptized as her little girl was watching and Carlos was there and they rejoiced that she obeyed Christ in believer's baptism. And now Osvaldo will, will meet there every week so that they can establish a house church. Well, we've been talking about the church in this series in January that we call Re-Engage. And the first message that I shared with you was based on a phrase of Jesus where he said, on this rock, 
I will build my church. And among other things, we said that the word church in Greek is the word ekklesia. And ekklesia means the gathering or the assembly of God's people. It is, it is God's congregation, those that he has called from darkness to light, those that he has called from the world to be his special people, that's ecclesia. So whether they meet in a tent city, whether they meet in a home, whether they meet in an abandoned hotel, or whether they meet in a building like this, when we gather, we are ecclesia. We are an expression of God's people gathered for worship, gathered for edification and for mutual encouragement. Last Sunday, Brother Eder Ibarra answered the question, why join the church? We, we asked, why engage the church? And last Sunday we said, why join the church? And he talked to us about this passage where Peter, whose name means rock, said that we are living stones and that all of us have been put together in this spiritual temple of God for God to inhabit. And so we joined the church to make visible our commitment to Christ, the cornerstone, and to each other living stones. And so today we are going to answer another question. Why serve the church? Brother Ether uh, said last Sunday that there's a difference between being spectators and being participants. And we must ask ourselves when we gather as a church, are we the audience or are we the actors in this act of church, this act of worship? And so what does it mean to serve the church and how do we do that? Well, I'd like for us to look at a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians and, and he talks about this idea of, of service. All of the chapter is relevant, but it's rather lengthy. So I'm just going to read a couple of portions and we'll talk about them. So in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 12, the scripture says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then if you would skip ahead all the way to verse 27, the chapter ends in this way. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and all different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet, I will show you the most excellent way. And we know that the most excellent way in chapter 13 is, is love, where Paul does his classic um, description of agape love. But what we see in chapter 12 is Paul addressing the issue of spiritual gifts because the Corinthian church had misunderstood and perhaps even misused spiritual gifts. They had come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and they had received the Holy Spirit 
and they have received the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they have misunderstood uh, their, their importance, and they have misunderstood and misused them, and Paul was correcting them. Paul wanted them to have clarity. This is what spiritual gifts are, and this is what they're for, and when he writes to the Corinthians, it helps us to understand this idea of serving through our spiritual gifts. I see the Trinity at work here. I see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, all of them calling us and compelling us to serve the church. So let me share with you uh, ABCs of, uh, of this as I see them in the passage. The first is that these are assigned by the Father. There are sometimes that service uh, begins with an appeal for a need. The church may have a need. We need ushers or we need people to work in the nursery or we need people to uh, help us with cleanup. And so there's an appeal made based upon need and sometimes people respond and it's great and sometimes people don't. Sometimes the appeal for service is based on interest. There may be a survey that is passed around and people choose, I want to be in the worship team or I want to be a, a barista in the cafe or I, I want to lead a class or I want to serve in Bread of Life ministry or I want to volunteer for 4th of July. And, and that's good because people should enjoy what they do when they serve. But, but although need and interest are important, that's not where service ought to begin. If we look at the scripture, service begins with the fact that God has assigned us a role in the church, that God has gifted us in a special way for service in the church. It begins with God. What an incredible privilege that is, that we are assigned a gift, a place of service by the very God, the very Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a privilege that is. Every disciple has a role in the church. And we look at verse 28 again, just to, to remind you of that. It says, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles and gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Paul is giving a sample list of roles in the church and spiritual gifts in the church. Uh, roles. And spiritual gifts are not the same thing, but, but he lists them, he combines them as a sample. It's not exhaustive. The Holy Spirit can give whatever gift and role he wants to give at any given time. Here, in this specific context, he, he's talking to the church in Corinth. And so he's talking about the gifts and the roles that he's given them, and perhaps the, the, the church at large as well. But in every era, in every season, in every context, in every place, the Holy Spirit can give roles and gives to the people in the church as he wishes. And Paul here is intentional in the order in which he lists them. He, he talks about apostles and prophets and teachers. I wish I had time to expound a little bit on that, but, but that's not the main point of this message. And then he talks about spiritual gifts like uh, miracles and healing and helping and guidance. And then he lists uh, the gift of of tongues last. He, he's intentional about that. He says, first this, second this, third, and then as he makes it this, he puts tongues in the last place. And that's, that's important because that's something that he's correcting for the church in Corinth. 
You see, what happened in church in Corinth, when people received their spiritual gifts, some of them received the, the gift of speaking in tongues. In a moment of spiritual ecstasy, they would speak in mysterious languages that they have never studied and that others did not understood, understand. And when this happened, it was such an impressive thing for people that people said, wow, look at that guy. He's speaking in tongues. Look at that, that sister. She's speaking in tongues. And they were so impressed that people who had the, the gift of tongues began to become arrogant. And they said, I must be more spiritual than that brother because I can speak in tongues. And then others began to say, well, maybe I need to get that gift. I, I have the gift of mercy, man, but that's kind of boring. I really would like to have the gift of tongues. And so they were desiring those visible gifts, the supernatural gifts. And, and so Paul writes to them to correct them and to put things in order of importance. In chapter 14, which we're not going to look at today, you can read on your own. Paul, in fact, addresses the gift of tongues. He says, look, I would rather you, if you have the gift of tongues, I would rather you practice it privately at home. Or if you're going to do it at church, do it with an interpreter and do it one at a time, not everybody at the same time. But what I believe Paul wants the Corinthian church to understand is that the gifts are given by God. The best spiritual gift that you can have is a gift that God gave you. The best role in the church that you can have is the role that God gave you. We're not to look at other gifts and other roles and say, I wish I was like that brother or I wish I was like that sister because God has assigned you a gift. God has assigned you a role and the best thing you can do it is embrace that. Say, God, you know what gift to give me and what role to give me and I will embrace my call and my gifting. That's the way I say thank you. Some of you know that uh, my, my boys and I like to barbecue. We like to uh, smoke meat. It's fun. It's a hobby for us. And I've had wood smokers and charcoal grills and gas grills, but I've never had a pellet grill. And, uh, and I've never thought about buying one. It's a lot of money. But the other day we were visiting with a church family and, and, uh, and, and, and the man of the house uh, had a pellet grill, really nice pellet grill. And, uh, but he wanted, he told me he wanted to get a better one, just a more updated one. Because these things, the technology just gets better every time. But his wife was not excited about him buying another one. And so he thought he would be real smart. And in front of me, he told his wife, honey, I'm thinking that I would like to give my pellet grill to the pastor. And then I can buy myself another one, you know. And she was kind of caught in the middle of that, and so she agreed, and, and I got to take a pellet grill home. And, and, uh, and, and you know, uh, the thing I think I enjoy about gifts is using them. So last Sunday, for a game that shall go unmentioned, I cooked uh, on that pellet grill. I smoked some wings and some cilantro sausage. Don't make any comments about my shirt, okay? This is the church. We don't talk about those things. I'm talking about the grill. But I take pictures and I share them because I think when people give you things, they are happy when they see you using them. I know when I give a gift and somebody's using it and sends me a picture and says, look, uh, thank you for the mug. I'm having coffee with it right now. It makes me happy. It makes the giver glad when you use what he has given you or she has given you. 
And it makes the heart of God glad when you use the gift that he has given you. We are assigned a gift and a role in the church by the Father. We are also baptized by the Spirit. The Corinthian church enjoyed diversity. There were men and women, there were Jews and, and Gentiles, there, there were slaves and freedmen, uh, there were some who spoke in tongues, some who prophesied, some who were leaders, some who were teachers, but all of them had the same spirit. Go back with me to verse 13, where it reads, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. When someone trusts Christ as their Lord and Savior, the, the, what God does in that life is he sends his Holy Spirit to live in that person, to make us a new creation, a new person. The Holy Spirit comes into the life of the believer to give us the power <clears throat> to live the Christian life. He comes to encourage us. He comes to, to comfort us. He comes to convict us. He comes as the evidence that we are truly children of God, the Holy Spirit is. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he is the guarantee that God has saved us and will save us. But what it says here is that one of the things that he does is he baptizes us into the church. In other words, we are immersed by the Spirit into the body of Christ. It's a spiritual thing. We are endowed by the Spirit of God for the life of the church. That's incredible. That's supernatural. That, that, that is a, a, a great thing, a great mystery that you and I are immersed, endowed by the Spirit of God for the life of the church. Our church consists of a lot of different people. People from different backgrounds. Each one of you has a different story, a different testimony. We may have different ethnicities, different nationalities different socioeconomic status or educational levels. Some of you are married, some of you are single, some of you are a little older, some of you are young. But all of us have the same Spirit of God. That's what we have in common, the Spirit of God. When, when you think, oh, that brother, he's so spiritual. Oh, that brother, he's so close to God. Remember, the same Spirit that the brother has, you have. When you think of your brothers and sisters, know that the same spirit that saved you, the same spirit that is making you a new creature, the same spirit that has endowed you with the gift is working in the life of your sisters and brothers. Sometimes it doesn't look like it, but he's there. And, 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 and we celebrate that. Look at verses four through six of the same chapter. It says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Isn't that great? That, that, that we can know that we may have diverse gifts and diverse uh, ways of serving, but it is the same God at work. The word gift, in the Greek is the word charisma. And it is related to grace. It, it means something that God has given us by his grace. That, that ought to make us grateful. Whatever gift I have, 
was given to me by grace. It ought to make me humble too. Because I didn't earn it. I didn't work it up. It was given to me. Same thing with your spiritual gift. In his grace, God has endowed you for service. And it is in that grace that you can experience the power of the Holy Spirit. It is because you've been baptized by the Spirit that you can experience spiritual growth. Several weeks ago, I had the opportunity to be in Fort Worth or in the house of my in-laws. And some of you know that my father-in-law, who's 90 years old, fell uh, in November. He broke his hip and he was hospitalized and he was in rehab for a long time. And uh, one of the things that happened during this time is that uh, my mother-in-law couldn't get her car started. And so she asked me to look at it while we were there over the Christmas break. And I'm not a great mechanic, but I know a thing or two, or I can fake it pretty good. And <clears throat> I discovered that uh, her battery was very low and I tried to charge it right there in the garage and it wouldn't take the charge. So I went to the parts store and I, <clears throat> I got a new battery and I installed it. And sure enough, uh, it, the car started and it was working and, and my mother-in-law thought that it was the greatest thing. I mean, she does think I'm the greatest thing, but uh, that's beside the point. Um, and, and so uh, the battery got going and, and so she said, well, I don't understand what happened. I mean, I've been taking the car for maintenance and, and it's fairly a new car. And I said, I said, look, while, while my father-in-law has been in the hospital, you have two cars in the garage and you've been driving one only. And that car has been sitting there. And when the car sits there, it loses power. When the car is stationary, the battery will get low. If you want the battery to stay charged, Diana is her name, is you got to keep the car running. If you want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you got to use your gift. You can't be stationary. You have to serve. That's how the power flows. That's how we grow. That's how we get recharged for service. It honors the God who called you. It honors the spirit who endowed you and it is good for you. And then third and final, we are connected to the body of Christ. This last week, uh, uh, my son, Josh, had a birthday and we didn't throw a big party uh, and we didn't make a really huge deal of it, but, but we gather as a family. And it's really good because all of our adult children live in different homes and they have different jobs and different schedules. So when we take time to all be together, it's a good thing. And, and that's enough. That was enough for Josh, that was enough for us. It's just to be together and enjoy a meal together and hang out and, and laugh and, and joke and talk about this or talk about that. It's a good thing to be part of a family. It's a good thing to know that uh, aside from your individual life and your individual schedule and your individual goals that, that you are part of something bigger, something greater. The day that you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you became a child of God. It was an individual decision. It was a personal experience. But yet, when you did that, the Spirit of God not only made you a new person, not only gave you the power to become a follower of Christ, but he made you a part of the body of Christ. There are multiple images in the Bible for the church. The church talks, uh, the Bible talks about the church as, as a spiritual temple made up of living stones. 
The Bible talks about the church being the family of God, where, where God is our father and we are brothers and sisters. And people are born into the family every time that somebody trusts Jesus as Savior and Lord. The Bible talks about the church as the bride of Christ, that he is preparing and perfecting for that great wedding day that will come when Jesus returns. But here in the book of Corinthians, Paul uses the image of a body. He calls it the body of Christ. Verse 27 again. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Paul reminds us that every believer is connected to the body of Christ. And just like a human body, the body of Christ is made up of many parts and all parts are important. Every member of your body is important. Sometimes we don't realize that until one of them stops working, until you hurt, uh, you break a toe or you break a leg or, or your eye gets affected and your whole body senses that. But every part of the body is important. Every part of the body needs each other. Can you imagine if our bodies were just eyes or just ears? or just a mouth, it would be ridiculous. That's what Paul tells the Corinthians. In the body, every member has a function. Every member is important. Every member needs the others. When we overemphasize the role of one member, we dishonor the rest of the body. And, and, and when one of the members does not perform his role or her function, it cheats the rest of the body. And so it's important that, that we don't, just like the Corinthians gave, you know, inappropriate importance to the gift of tongues, it's, it's important that we don't give inappropriate importance to certain roles in the church, whether it be the pastor or, or the preacher or, or, or the deacons or, or anyone, that we understand that we are all members of one body, we are all important, we need each other, and that serving builds up the body of Christ. When, we, when every member serves according to his or her gifts, then the body of Christ grows and is strengthened and there's mutual edification. Look at verse seven of chapter 12. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. The Corinthians needed to hear that. Listen, he tells the Corinthians, your spiritual gift was not given to you so you could show off. It's not so you could show the people that, that you have this gift and you're so good at it. It's given for the common good. Whatever gift you have is, is given so that you can help others, so you can edify others, so, so the body of Christ can grow. We edify one another. This letter is written to a local church and so Paul's telling the Corinthians, this is how you should relate to each other. Of course, we know that the body of Christ is larger than one local congregation. And so we serve the body of Christ at the local level. And sometimes we serve beyond the local level. I, I'm, I'm so thankful that today I got to, to, uh, to greet Dave and Liz Flynn, who are here from Peru. They're missionaries there. And so they serve their local church, but they, they serve the church at large too. In our church, there are multiple opportunities for service. People can serve in the music and worship area or they can serve as ushers. They can serve in the media team. 
in the cafe, in the children's ministry. They can lead a class, maybe in the student ministry. We need people to serve in bread of life, people to go on mission trips, people to serve as deacons. That's one of our great needs to, to serve as deacons so we can minister to, to the widows, the sick, and, and the people in church who need caring. There's a link on our website that you can go to and you can click there and say, I want to serve. And it lists several areas where you can serve or it even has other in case there's something that you've thought of that we haven't. Sometimes serving requires fulfilling a particular role in the church, like deacon or grow group leader or a ministry coordinator. But sometimes using your spiritual gift does not require a role, it just requires you to use it. If you have a gift and you have a grow group, use it in your grow group, use it in your huddle, use it in whatever capacity God gives you the opportunity. Sometimes we don't know how to start. Sometimes we don't know exactly what to do, but we must start doing something. It reminds me of this little video that I wanna show you. There are shepherd dogs that grow up to lead the sheep. But when they are puppies, sometimes they're not quite sure what to do. So here's a video of a puppy shepherd dog and uh, a flock of sheep. The puppy dog, he's going to be a shepherd one day. I, sometimes in my ministry, I felt a little bit like that. It's like, I'm their shepherd. And the sheep are like, we don't know who you are. <laughs> but that dog is going to grow up to be a good shepherd dog. Because he was designed by God to be that. And, and each one of you has been designed by God for service. And you got to start somewhere. Sometimes we may not know exactly what to do, but, but just start and do it. If you have a gift of encouragement... Encourage others. If you have the gift of mercy, help others. If you have the gift of leadership, then lead. If you have the gift of, of generosity, then give away. Use your gifting. This last week, a saint of our church has gone on to be with the Lord. Her name was Billy Hall. Billy had her 99th birthday about a week ago. And shortly after her birthday, she passed away. She was a member of Calvary for 62 years. And during that time, she served as a Sunday school teacher for many, many years. She served among our children. She served her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren. I will be doing her memorial service tomorrow. And funerals like that are easy to do. When somebody has lived 99 years, and the one characteristic of their life is that they have served, that's an easy thing to celebrate. We will miss her, but we are thankful for her service. And I think at the end of my life, I want to be remembered not by my accomplishments, not by what I've accumulated, but I would love to be remembered by service, that I serve God and that I serve his church. I wanna hear the words of Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I would put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. How about you? 
What words do you want to hear at the end of your life? Do you want to hear those words of the master? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will put you over many things. Enter into your master's happiness. I want to ask you to stand with me as you think about what has been said today. And as you think about responding. Perhaps the one thing you need to do today is to be baptized into the body of Christ. That means to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord and receive the Holy Spirit and the gifting for service. Perhaps what you need to do today is to, to ask yourself, how am I using my gifts? How has God called me to build the body of Christ? And what can I do in this season of my life? Father, I thank you for your word I thank you for your call in our lives. I thank you that the body of Christ is made up of many members and every member matters. Every member has a role. Every member has a gift. Help us each to discover what that is and to use it faithfully. Father, if there's someone here today who doesn't know you yet, that today may be the day where they receive the gift of Jesus his death on the cross, his burial and his resurrection for the forgiveness of their sins and for the salvation of their soul. Will you lead people today to respond, oh God? It is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. As we sing, you respond how the Spirit leads you to.